social ladies. All the 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 social ladies. Now put your phones up. Hi everyone. I am kicking us off today because Jen is not in a good mood. I'm just hangry. It's our first day trying to do a paleo diet. It's been about 12 hours. Less. <laughs> and all I want is a slice of pizza and a brownie. She feels limited. I don't like feeling limited in my food selections. Thank you for throwing me under the bus here. Oh, you got it. Do you want to talk about Dua Lipa? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so she's currently being sued for posting a paparazzi photo on her Instagram. And this isn't the first time this has happened to a celebrity. Wow, I see they're seeking $150,000 in damages, saying Mm -hmm. the singer profited from using the photo. Correct. The photo has since been deleted off of her Instagram page, but really this photographer just wanted credit. Little photo icon. (laughs) Pick credit. Yeah, exactly. Okay, you brought up the photo emoji. Have you seen the new emojis that are coming out this year? I I have seen them, yes. My favorite right now is the smiley face that looks like he's melting. Yeah, I think that's going to be my replacement for the upside down emoji. 100% agree. It's like a little bit more. I like that he's smirking. I don't know if it's like a nod to the heat waves or if it's really just like I'm falling apart, but I I love that one. There's also a disco ball. What appears to be kidney beans. Yep, definitely kidney beans. (laughs) One single crutch. Yep, an ogre, a lily pad, a tire. Oh, is that what that is? Okay, cool. And two hands making the heart sign, which I think is actually really nice. Yes, I love that. You know what else I love? Hmm. Everybody now has the ability to do Instagram story drafts. Ooh, I know you're excited about this so clients can approve stories easier. Yeah, so I used to do a method where I'd turn my phone on airplane mode Mm -hmm. and I would create the stories back to back and designing it all the way I want it so then... Like when I'm ready for the whole series of stories to go live, you just turn off airplane mode and then they all post in order. Such a good tip. But when you do that, you can't use like the stickers or tag people because that uses like internet. internet. So now you can craft your Instagram stories, save it in a draft. They go away after seven days. So be careful with that. But I think it's pretty cool. Yeah, I think that's a great tool for social media managers right there. Another thing going on with Instagram, we talked about how the app is shifting to a more entertainment and creator-focused environment, environment. whatever you want to call it. Fewer photos, more reels, and they've announced that they're investing $1 billion by the end of 2022 in programs specifically designed to support the creator ecosystem. And the first thing they're doing, so they posted on the at creators account saying that they're giving away summer bonuses and guess what they're giving away summer bonuses for it's definitely to make reels instagram reels so as instagram chases tiktok trying to you know bring those creators who have built followings and built these communities on tiktok over to instagram reels and they're rewarding them for it monetarily i can see why some influencers might be a little skeptical of this bonus program though I'm seeing some rumblings of people saying that it's a little too late for this type of thing to happen. Yeah. Which makes sense when you think about all the other networks that have prioritized creators from the beginning. YouTube, TikTok. Well, and remember Snapchat when Mm -hmm. they rolled out Spotlight, they were giving away a ton of money too. Yeah, it's true. So seems genuine. Let's see what happens. I'm excited to actually watch more reels. I think I've maybe watched five in my life. And I probably shouldn't admit that. Everything on Reels is just 
things you've already seen on TikTok. Two weeks later. Exactly. Okay, we have some sad news. Not sad, just, you know, an update. We have reached the mid-season break for season six. So we are going to take some time, book our next round of guests. If you or anyone you know is interested in being on the show, find us on Instagram. Send us a DM and let us know who you want us to talk to next. So last up before the break today is Cassidy Silva, who is the Senior Manager Social Strategy at Time. It's definitely a high energy interview and I'm excited for you guys to hear it. She shared a lot about how partnerships come to life on the social channels for a publisher, which I found really cool. So here she is. Hi, Cassidy. Welcome to the show. Hi, Jen and Michelle. So glad to be here. Thank you so much for having me on. Of course. We're excited to jump into this. Are you ready for the social speed round? Uh, As ready as I'll ever be. You're going to nail it. (laughs) Favorite social network? TikTok. Do you pronounce it GIF or JIF? It's absolutely GIF. (laughs) Right answer. (laughs) It is absolutely GIF. I heard it from the Giphy people at Social Media Week. I don't know. I think in 2016, I will forever stand by GIF. Oh, amazing. I'm glad you're here to confirm that for all of our listeners. To set the record straight. To set the record straight. It is 100%. (laughs) What Instagram ad can you not get rid of? I have been getting so many Instagram ads from Amazon Home. Oh, um, I don't know that. if that's just my buying patterns, but right now I'm living with my in-laws and somehow I keep furnishing a house I don't have. <laughs> what about your go-to emoji? Cry face emoji. I don't care awesome. if it makes me chuggy. <laughs> the, the laughing one or the actual crying one? Both. <laughs> Who is your favorite celebrity to follow on social? It's Tinks. It's me, Tinks. She has been a popular answer this season and I wholeheartedly agree. What about stories or feed posts? For personal use, I love stories. For work purposes, feed posts. Another popular answer. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then last one, what was your first screen name? It's still my screen name on Twitter and forever will be my handle at my life as Cassidy. Amazing. I finally gave it up on Tumblr. They used to email <laughs> me like every three months to say, hi, you've had this account for like nine years and have never posted. Do you still <laughs> want this handle? And I would be like, yes, I'd like to keep it still. That's a good one. I feel like it's it's like it was good for the times, but it's still not it's not like embarrassing now. It's not chuggy now. Yeah, <laughs> it's not. It's not. However, I love the reference of Tumblr. We haven't talked about Tumblr on the show in a really long yeah. time. And that's like my OG favorite social network. I miss it dearly. I don't know what happened. Pandemic brain. I was like, I need to spend more time on Tumblr again. Wow. Tumblr, Pinterest, all of the platforms that I like started to move away from where my screen time was like, you need to stop spending so much time on Tumblr. Wait, tell me what you were doing on Tumblr. What were you looking at? So my obsession with book talk crossed oh. over to Tumblr in which I was like, let me look at funny memes of people making narratives of book characters. <laughs> oh, so niche. Some, some good fan fiction. I remember that from my Tumblr days too. That's so funny. I need to get back onto my Tumblr. Yep. I don't even know if I know the password. Fully <laughs> embraced my high school self. <laughs> Hell yeah. Okay, let's get into your current career. Because I mean, I feel like you're such a social expert. We're talking about Pinterest and Tumblr and TikTok and all the things. I want to hear a little bit more about your time at Time. 
No, no pun intended. I know you have background in editorial as well as like the agency side of things. So tell us a little bit more about your day-to-day role and how you found yourself at Time to begin with. Absolutely. So at Time, I run our social media business team. So we oversee brand, consumer marketing, partnership marketing, any type of network partnerships and branded content on the business side for the Time brand. So we're working across Time, Time for Kids. Uh, Sometimes we help out with Time Studios. But really, our team looks at anything when we're thinking revenue or promotional Mm -hmm. graphics or paid media strategies, content partnerships. And so the day-to-day certainly varies. Um, (laughs) At Time uh, and our team, we have a lot of ongoing projects. So those are things that we're thinking about, like, how are we building out benchmarks or paid social taxonomies? I just finished up wrapping up our 1H reporting and then a lot of what we do is, of course, tied to our editorial calendar right. um, because that's when a lot of our partnerships come in. So right now we're starting to plan uh, for Time 100. Our Kid of the Year campaign just launched today, which is a big partnership we do Ooh. with Nickelodeon. So my day-to-day certainly varies, but uh, it's very much ingrained um, on the business side. We're under our brand and content marketing team, and we work super closely in tandem with our editorial folks, which is how I ended up at Time. Uh, so <laughs> Perfect segue. I love this. <laughs> so my work wife, when I worked at Forbes, Kim Tall, uh, her and I were both editors on the social team at Forbes together. She had left Forbes to go to Time. I was at Edelman. And in April of 2019, she had reached out and said, hey, our marketing team, this is brand new. This is when Time had just become its own company. She'd reached out and said, we're really looking for someone who understands social media really well in the marketing space. Would you be interested in coming to time? And I was like, is that a serious question? You (laughs) absolutely. I'm so in. No question Uh, about that. No questions asked. I was like, absolutely. I would love to meet the team. And I ended up at time in April of 2019. Like I said, right after when Mark Benioff had bought time, we had just become our new company. We were starting from absolute scratch, creating ad accounts. Everything was from the ground up. And that was the most exciting part of being able to come to time. And what we're doing on social is we've really been able to build everything the way that we want to build it and what feels good and on brand for us. So every day is certainly a new challenge. That's pretty cool, though, that the opportunity to kind of feel like you're starting from scratch and build it from the ground up with a name that is so recognizable and you know, you're not trying to tell everyone what time is. It's just like reinventing it in a way. Exactly. And that's one of the things I think is the most exciting about working at time. And one of the reasons I wanted to come to time, we're a 98 year old company, but we're constantly reinventing ways that we do franchises. When they started the person of the year franchise or the time 100 franchise, they were definitely not thinking 18 years ago, we're going to have a custom emoji on Twitter. Right. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) And last year we were like, Hey, how about we do an emoji for time 100 and person of the year? Those were definitely not things that were in that original (laughs) marketing plan. And that's what's made it really exciting. Like we did for the first time last year, pet of the year with Chewy. Mm. Once again, when they were thinking person of the year, when they first started this, they were not thinking this will eventually evolve to have spinoffs. One of them will be pet of the year with rescue animals and Chewy will sponsor it with moments and pre-roll. And it's one of the most exciting things about working at a company that has such a long legacy history that we do have a lot of the brand that comes along with it, but we're able to evolve it in 
a new way for a new set of consumers mm. and do exactly what we want to do it to take us into the next hundred years. I love the Twitter emoji example. It's perfect. It was so like, that was such a 2020 thing. I, <laughs> for some reason in my head, I just remember scrolling through Twitter all throughout the pandemic and just seeing like the Apple event, the yeah. time 100, all of them having these custom icons and it just made it a little more fun. Or the ones where when you like the tweet, it like gives you Sparkles. a little thing. Yeah. 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 I love that. Me and our head of editorial social are obsessed with all of the Twitter emojis, starting from when they had all the different ones for Game of Thrones. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But she would take all of them and put them into our Slack. So we were constantly using them. And I was like, Kim, we have to have one sometime this year. It is our goal to get a Twitter emoji for one of <laughs> And you did it. And we did it. Hell yeah. <laughs> it's something that when we think about it is so small, but when you're getting thousands of mentions and the reach is so big, yeah. it goes so far. And it's one of those things that I love about social is those unexpected branding moments mm-hmm. that seem small, but they make a really big right. impact, especially on days when the list is dropping, when we had our broadcast special. It just elevates that experience a little bit more on social. And it's something fun and unexpected. Right, right. I'm actually glad we're talking about Twitter because I feel like it's such an Instagram and TikTok world and we talk Mm. about that so much on the show and I love Twitter and Cassidy I of course stalked you on Twitter and see you're (laughs) active also tell us kind of about like I guess prioritization of platforms as you know a publisher as something that is like you said reliant on like mentions and things like that what is that like for you looking at the array of platforms available? We look at our content based off of a channel performance of what is resonating the most with our audience based off of is health content resonating on Twitter. So mm-hmm. we put our Time 100 Health Summit focusing our action there versus say LinkedIn mm-hmm. or Facebook or Instagram. So we really try to focus on what does our audience natively like the most on these channels and how can we prioritize from there? That makes sense. Granted, when we go into the next level, <laughs> we look at sometimes, all right, for a channel channel like TikTok for time is very experimentative. So for right now, we're just, let's put out all different types of content and we're going to see what people are responding mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's one of those, sometimes it's a catch-all, like we'll have NFT TikToks that absolutely pop off. Yeah. Or we'll have a post from Jeff Kluger on the Richard Branson space flight that takes off. Or we'll have something on the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So it kind of is this nonstop choice of, all right, let's try it and experiment to see if this resonates. But for us, we're always looking at like our core four of channels. So Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn. Uh, but Time is a global publication, so we do use Line, and we're very mm. active there. We also have Pinterest. We have TikTok. Yeah. We're on Clubhouse. So there's a couple of platforms that are ancillary to those core four that have different strategies. But as a global brand, we kind of try to talk to our audience where they are in yeah. completely different ways. I, I wanted to talk about Time Talk because I Time went talk. to the, the channel and checked it out. And I totally like saw what you were saying. I think the NFT video that you referenced had like over 500,000 views. And then there's some that, you know, have 500. And then I think that's like for all of us marketers on TikTok, figuring out what works. And I feel like it's random every day. <laughs> so I was curious, like, what have you found to be the most successful on TikTok so far? So for us, what we've found, I mean, oh, this is a slightly cliche answer, but when you're really able to hone into a niche and it starts to spread in that niche is really where we've found success. So stuff like our first video that we put out, which was this baby panda (laughs) caretaker video, it found the right niche. 
And it starts to really take off the same with NFTs. Like those are the pockets that we were looking for when we're thinking of TikTok is Mm -hmm. as a user, what am I going here for? There's usually three or four things that I'm always searching for and end up on my uh, for you page of what's coming up for me. How can we take that and tailor it to our strategy versus something like Twitter where we're just putting out mass amounts yeah, of content. Yeah. Every seven minutes, a new tweet is going out, constantly new things that we're testing and just pushing out tons of content. When we're thinking of TikTok, we're just trying to be a lot more thoughtful to think, okay, what are the niches that time could be a part of? Right. And it's not always necessarily scale. Mm-hmm. For me, a lot of what I look at is engagement and where are we really seeing it talking to the right audience? We don't need millions and millions of people. Right. We just need the right people who want to see this in engage with it. I think Michelle made a good point before too, about people knowing what time is. So your videos don't have to be explainers about the mission that you're trying to (laughs) achieve here. Like, it's not like it's definitely for brand awareness and driving people to the website. I mean, that's not the purpose of TikTok either, but I do like being able to capitalize on these specific moments in time and have some sort of commentary on it and see how it goes. Exactly. I also think the niche thing is interesting Mm -hmm. because I was thinking about it, you know, TikTok is so trend-based and, you know, something catches fire and everyone starts creating and it blows up. But it's funny that it does start with something very specific. (laughs) My mind is blown. Michelle, I want you to talk about the long captions because I know they're near and dear to your heart. Well, yeah. So, you know, I was thinking about like, again, the different ways that time can come across on social media that might be different from some of the brands that like Jen and I work on day to day. And one thing that I am so jealous of is the ability to write lengthy Instagram captions. I feel like there's such a perception that social media needs to be like short and scrappy. And as I'm scrolling through like Times Post and, you know, other publishers too, New York Times does it as well. There's that opportunity to tell a story within the caption. And as a copywriter, I read it, the whole thing, of (laughs) course. So like, if if there's anything like that, that comes to mind for you that you feel like with your work is different, or there's different opportunities compared to a brand or a person for that matter either. Yeah, absolutely. So starting with the long Instagram captions. So one of the things that myself and our head of edit social are very passionate about are creating on platform experiences Talk to your consumers where they are. Yes. I'm on Instagram. Instagram, unless you're in an ad format, is not very friendly to try to get people to drive a ton of traffic to your website. So we need to be able to communicate to somebody in this Instagram post mostly everything they want to know. If they are really interested, you can go to our link in bio. You can click through. You can read more of the story, Mm -hmm. see more of the photos. But when we're thinking of Instagram, you're looking at this image. I'm trying to talk to you right here and right now. And that's how that organic strategy comes together. Versus when we think paid, we do have an ability to do a shorter caption. Mm -hmm. Granted, it all depends on the objective. Are we trying to drive traffic? Are we just trying to get people to watch this video? Do we want them just to stay here and read through this infographic? A lot of what we choose and how we vary in lengths and what we're doing for our different units is based off of like what that overall objective is. But I will say, I think the most exciting thing that I've seen on social is people are starting to get a lot more comfortable creating social first content and content that I'm just supposed to sit here, experience it and enjoy it on social. I'm not trying to go anywhere else. I'm just trying to see it on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter. A hundred percent. And I think, I mean, it was two weeks ago at this point, 
Instagram said, you know, we are here to entertain you now. We're an entertainment platform. And I think that's exactly what you just said. You want to consume the content on the platform and keep going. Like no other expectations. Exactly. And like as these platforms have evolved, like when we look at Facebook, where it was in 2015 compared to where it is now, Mm -hmm. just how that algorithm even varied link posts versus where they are now is astronomical. Yeah. Like when we think of how the weight of what video gets versus photo posts versus link posts. It's all changed so much and so dramatically that a lot of what I think for social professionals, we have to do is continuously educate our teams to be like, listen, the platform has changed. They're really leaning into wanting to keep people on their network on their page versus driving them to different experiences. It's so relevant. So, I mean, we're having these conversations like daily as well of like, okay, no, this is what's important now. Let's do this instead. (laughs) Absolutely. And our head of branded content is so supportive of this where a lot of what we pitch now for branded content is just social content Yeah, Mm. where video is only meant to live on social and is targeted to your audience. We're not interested in driving them to an article on a website or to a different type of experience. We're just trying Trying to get people to watch this video on social. It's shot for social. It's made for social. The narrative is for social. All of the bells and whistles are graphic are made for just social platform experiences. That's a great segue because you mentioned branded content. And I want to talk about partnerships and monetizing the content. And I know that's kind of the bread and butter of, of what you do. So Tell us a little bit more. You mentioned it in the beginning, but I want to talk more about some of the partnerships you've worked on and what you've learned from them. Absolutely. So I could talk about partnerships all day. Uh, <laughs> one of my favorite parts um, of what I get to do. And at time, the biggest thing for me when we were establishing this team and what we wanted to do and how we wanted to take the direction of our social partnerships is they're all very much based in our values. Mm. So what time does is we're able to align with partners to bring them into a conversation of things that they are passionate about and we're passionate about. And when they align, that's when the partnerships sing the most. So one of my favorite partnerships that I got to work on, which is one of the first projects that I was a part of when I worked at Time, was called The March. And this was a partnership we did that was made possible by American Family Insurance. And what we did is we created a groundbreaking immersive experience that recreated the 1963 March on Washington Mm. for Jobs and Freedom, which is obviously one of the most iconic moments in American Mm -hmm. history that became a virtual reality exhibit at the DuSable Museum of African American History in Chicago. It was open in February of last year. It's opening again very, very soon. Nice. But we were able to partner with American Family Insurance and we created all of these social experiences in order to get people excited about it, to put people into it, to create these immersive different social units. So people no, not everyone is going to be able to go to the DuSable Museum and experience it. But we wanted to talk with AmFam about equality and the issues that they found important. And they were able to partner with us on this. And we created a social experience that performed way better than any of our work. (laughs) That's the best. But it's when we were able to align with a partner that wanted to talk about something that we were passionate about and they were passionate about, and it doesn't feel forced. Right. It's around something that both brands support. And I think that's usually where the point of contention comes from, especially with ads and where consumers, they don't feel authentic or when people feel like it's an ad, that's kind of when it tends to fall down with partnerships. 
But for us working with them on this one, we were creating something that was groundbreaking. It was something that other people were not doing or putting in the millions of dollars to do it. And we created something really special and just seeing it all come together. And we did a full real-time rollout plan, sent the team to Chicago to do the Instagram stories. We had video editors on ground to like just capture people's facial expressions when they were going through it. You were able to see members of the King family enjoying the experience. It was something that was so special for us and for them. And that partnership just has always really stuck out to me as something where I was like, no, this means something. And creating content that means something with a sponsor, I don't really think it can get better than that. Another one that we did, which my favorite franchise at time has always been person of the year. (laughs) It's obviously the big moment every December. It's super secretive. I mean, our editors go into like a bunker of sorts. I was going to say, when do you get to find out? (laughs) Do you get to know before everyone else? Uh, We we don't even know. No one knows until like morning of like when it goes live. And everyone knows, we know. Like it is down to the 11th hour. We have our assets prepped with all different versions ready to go in the last moment. It's like on a football game, like the Super Bowl, they make shirts of both winners. Yeah. (laughs) That's how I'm thinking of it. It is down to the T code words. It is really (laughs) exciting to be a part of. But with advertisers, that's always something that's hard to align with because it's so secretive. No one knows who's going to be person of the year. Yeah. So for us, um, some of my favorite ones that we were able to branch off of that was, of course, Pet of the Year with Chewy. Mm-hmm. And it was beautiful. It was rescue animals. So fitting for 2020. Yeah. And of course, it just did amazing on Twitter. People were commenting back with photos of their rescue animals. Yep. We were sharing it. It was getting shared around Facebook groups of rescue animals. And it was just really special to see, okay, this is something that just so naturally comes together editorially right. that we were able to be a part of. And then another one that we did with Person of the Year was Heroes of the Year, which was presented by State Farm. And this was one for social. I feel like any social manager, when you hear UGC campaign, your heart (laughs) stops a little bit. Yep. We were like, I don't know what type of responses we're going to get to, but we're going to see how it goes. And we're very, very hopeful that it turns out how we want. (laughs) You're like, hopefully there's something usable. (laughs) Exactly. So we had a UGC campaign that was social driven that we were asking people to nominate who was their hero of the year. It was a form that we put out on social. And we actually got super high quality tearjerker responses coming in Amazing that our edit team was looking through and they were like, this is amazing. Like we were not expecting this high level quality of responses to come in. You're expecting, I think for any UGC, you're expecting a handful of very usable content. We were having hundreds of submissions come in. How do you choose at that point? (laughs) Exactly. And it's something like that though, where I was like, this makes sense for our advertiser to be a part of. This is something we're passionate about and people are really excited about what the content is and it just aligns really really well and it doesn't feel like an ad it doesn't feel like it's a forced partnership so those editorial sponsorships I think are really special um, in a way that we're able to bring in advertisers to be a part of it even though they're not directly involved in the content with something say like a branded content partner yeah but no those are two of my favorites those are amazing And, and I'm curious about kind of the behind the scenes of it just because I haven't worked on that side of it, how does it work with like the concepting? What's the relationship like between you and the advertiser? The advertiser? Who's coming up with the ideas? How does that work? So a lot of the times, like we have a couple different categories that we work with on social. So 
Of course, there's branded content ones where our advertisers are super involved. They're able to see all the content. They weigh in on everything. Granted, time is, of course, leading it from a social perspective to make sure it feels on brand and it makes sense for our audience. And then there's our editorial sponsorships. So those are things like when we have Time 100 or POI or Person of the Year that an advertiser, they're not involved in the content creation. And there's mm-hmm. a lot of trust yeah. that exists in those agencies and what we're doing that they've seen examples of years past. We usually have advertisers that come in year over year over year yeah. that sponsor with us. We've got advertisers that always come back for edit. They know what we do. They like the execution. So like a client like City, they've sponsored Time 100 for a number of years. And for social, we'll give them a plan. We'll say, (laughs) this is how many Facebook posts we're going to do. This is the Instagram. This is Instagram stories. These are our thoughts. Mm -hmm. We are always looking for them to let us know if there's anything thematically that they're working on, or if there's certain ties that we can pull into the content, but it's all done by our edit team. So we will present a plan to the client. They say, yes, these three Facebook posts. We would love <laughs> Always posts. yes on the first try, right? <laughs> Always yes. Our edit team takes it and runs with it. So they pull together all of the assets. We load it and it goes live. And that's where the trust comes in with an edit partnership. Yeah. The client sees it when everyone else sees it. <laughs> I was going to say about, I was hoping you would use the word trust because it really feels like that's what it is, especially for a legacy brand like Time in general. Like, I'm sure there's just this established feeling of camaraderie there that it's just like, yeah, we're going to do this and we're going to do it together. And we're going to both trust each other in moving forward with this content. Exactly. And I think that's where the number one thing for any brand, in my opinion, is just keeping the integrity of your brand is bar none the most important thing. Mm -hmm. You have your brand, you know your identity, you keep your values, you keep the integrity intact. And that's one of the things when you work with a brand like Time, it's Time. There's a certain sense of trust <laughs> yes. that consumers have with time content that advertisers have working with us. They know what our work looks like. And every single day where it's social media, but everything is very precious to us when it comes to our posts, because this yep. is why people want to come to us to work with an edit partnership. Yeah. They've seen what we've done in the past with Time 100. They know what those partnerships look like of what we allow people to sponsor, what we don't allow people to sponsor. And there's a certain level of trust that they know that we know what we're doing. We know what works for our audience. And they really like our past executions and they want to be a part of that. Right, right. That makes sense. As an expert in social, I want to ask one last question that feels a bit loaded, but I'd love your take <laughs> on it. What predictions do you really have for the future of social? I know we saw some challenges come out of 2020. So I'm just curious as to where your head's at as far as what the future of this industry really is going to look like. That is a lot of questions. <laughs> I knew it. I knew when I said it. <laughs> so I think the one thing when it comes to social, I always try to tell my team, everyone I work with, take a deep breath when there's new changes. There's going to be changes every single day. Right. Like where we saw it this week, uh, fleets are going away. Yeah. I loved Twitter's tweet to announce that. I know. They did. But even months before that, it was like, we need to have a full fleet strategy. Yeah. And I was like, everyone take a beat. We're going to monitor and see what these changes are. Mm -hmm. But I personally don't think social is going anywhere. It's the core of what social media does. It allows us to connect with other people. Yeah. 
Granted, if the big platforms are here and are here to stay, we'll see. I mean, I don't think anybody, when TikTok came out, thought it would get as big as it did, as quickly as it did. But they've done a really good job at finding their own identity in this space. So I think for social, we're going to see new platforms emerge. I'm very interested to see how the big networks like your Facebooks, your Twitters, et cetera, go about absorbing other companies and like other acquisitions. We take a look at Twitter and how they were like, actually, we're going to start moving into some long form content. Yeah. So I think the big biggest things that we're going to see in terms of trends. One, I'm very interested to see the evolution and the immersive in AR space. I don't think that's something that anybody has nailed. Yeah. It's always been like in the, in the foreground, but not it's in the foreground. Yeah. It's a very cool thing to do. We have a lot of AR and immersive experiences that we make, but working them into a social network has, of course, has its challenges. And right. a lot of them come from monetary restrictions and how people are able to absorb the content. Yeah. Not everybody has an Oculus headset. Right. <laughs> we do have an Oculus experience if you want to check it out. The ISS experience. It's amazing. My parents have an Oculus. I was like, this is mind boggling. <laughs> But not every consumer has mm-hmm. an Oculus. So I think that we will see a very big shift and how consumers are able to take on immersive and AR experiences in social. It's just such a good touch point for brands, but no one has really nailed it yet of how that's going to evolve. I think we're going to start seeing a lot of fluctuations and changes with video. I think there's that never ending debate of, okay, are we doing long form right. video or short form <laughs> yeah. video? Oh, now you're moving it up for three minutes. Is this because you want in-stream video ads? I don't know. (laughs) Then you have stuff like YouTube, where I will sit there and watch an hour and 30 minute documentary from someone telling me about some YouTube drama (laughs) or watch a video of a person making a Sims house for 45 (laughs) minutes. So I think video, we're going to see a lot of evolution of that from the social platforms in the next couple of years. And I'm very interested to see how Messenger is going to evolve. It's kind of this one thing where it's starting to emerge more, I think, in marketing plans of like how you're able to get texts to people's phones and kind of have this different messaging one-on-one experience. I think that it's kind of a dark horse and I'm interested to see like where that starts to evolve in social over the next couple of years. But for the most part, I think social here to stay. I think it's going to change dramatically Mm -hmm. than what we've seen in the past. Granted, I mean, when we were all on MySpace. Right, right. When you could send money to people. (laughs) Like the platforms have changed so much from where they are to where they are now. But like the core is still that connectivity. Agree. Amazing. Cassidy, thank you so much for this. This was great. Great. I'm so (laughs) glad. It's so cool to hear about social media from a different perspective because I think as a consumer of branded content, I don't even recognize that it's an ad. Everything that's behind it, right, you know? So right. definitely like different from what we do day to day, but so much of the same language being spoken mm-hmm. between us and Cassidy and understanding like the same problems and the same goals and objectives. So I really enjoyed that conversation. Me too. And you know, I enjoy talking about Twitter. Again, you yes. brought it up during the interview. We talked about, we typically talk about TikTok and Instagram. So it's just been a fun treat to discuss those uh, reaction emojis. Yes, I love it. Okay, so for the account we want you to follow this week, I'm going to let Jen take the reins on this one because she tried explaining it to me six times and I finally just got it. So let's see if you can keep up. <laughs> the account we want you to follow is Oscar Meyer on Twitter. They are currently running a promotion where if one of their most recent tweets gets enough retweets, 
they are going to introduce a two bun package to help supplement the lack of buns in <laughs> existing hot dog bun packages. And this is where I lost Michelle. Yeah. So let me simply explain it again. Okay, so start by telling them about how Heinz is involved. <laughs> Heinz has absolutely nothing to do with this. I like where your head's at. Oh. Catch up. I get it, but not related. <laughs> but they're replying to Heinz. Okay, whatever. Heinz put out a statement that says that all hot dog bun and hot dog makers need to be selling equal amounts in their packages. Okay, so hot dogs in the packages come in packs of 10, but hot dog buns come in packs of 8. You got it. So the hot dog producer, Oscar Mayer, not the hot dog bun producer, but the hot dog producer is saying it will sell two packs of buns yes so that there is a bun for every hot dog in need that is correct what happened to me explaining it you just did it perfectly i just had to talk through it you got it basically what i'm telling you all to do is retweet this oscar meyer tweet so we can have justice for those last two hot dogs in the package (laughs) and with that we go on summer break (laughs) all the social ladies all the social ladies all the social ladies all the social ladies, all the social ladies, all the social ladies, all the social ladies, now put your phones up.